Welcome to the Baseball America College Podcast. Today's Baseball America Podcast is sponsored by SeatGeek. Baseball America Podcast listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. Download the free SeatGeek app and enter promo code BA20 today. Now it's time to talk baseball. I'm Teddy Cahill. Joining me uh, again this week, we've got Michael Inanna and Jim Schonard. And we're here to talk about this week's top 25. We've got a new number one there and everything else that happened in, in college baseball this week. So guys, I guess we might as well start right at the top of the rankings. Last week, Florida came in number one again. Uh, but they lost a home series to Mississippi State, the first home series loss for the Gators in almost a year. And so with that, Miami, who was number two last week, moves up to number one. Uh, the Hurricanes have won nine in a row. They only had two games last week, uh, thanks to some snow in South Bend, but they won them both. They beat Florida Gulf Coast uh, in the midweek, and then they got one game in against Notre Dame finally. Uh, the snow the snow cleared a little bit, and they were able to they were able to beat Notre Dame in their their one game uh, up there in South Bend. And so Miami is now number one in the Baseball America Top 25 for the first time since 2008. Uh, so we'll get to the Gators and the Bulldogs in a second. But first, what what do we think about about this Miami team? I mean, they've been exceptional this year, really since. Um, the, the second weekend of the year, they, they lost to Florida, but since then, they, they have yet to lose a series. Uh, they're on this nine-game winning streak, and they've beaten some really good teams the last few weeks. Yeah, well, I know d- deciding to put them to number one was, was somewhat of a difficult decision, just because we did look at that, that Florida series earlier in the year, the fact that they lost to Florida, but I think we all sort of agreed that just because that series was so long ago, and with, the, with what the Hurricanes have done lately these last few weekends... I mean, other with the exception of Mississippi State, I don't. I don't think anyone's had a better last few weekends than Miami has outside of this this weekend uh, at Notre Dame. But you, you know, you look at their their series of wins against Louisville, Clemson, North Carolina back to back. You know, three very good teams, and uh, you know they're just in a groove right now. They're just they're just excelling on both sides of the ball. You know, they have a powerful offense. You know, Zach Collins is hitting well. You know, Willie Brave has done his walk off Willie things and. You know, I think they're starting to pitch better too. I think they've they've found some stability in that weekend rotation. I think Medivilia has been has been great for them on Saturdays, and Woodry is starting to pitch a little bit better too. So they're a scary team right now. And yeah, it kind of came down to when we looked at Mississippi State, who uh, ends up at number two. It was I'll say it was very. We debated it for a pretty long time, but you know, both of the, I think the kind of the common thing with those two teams was they both kind of had their little trip ups early. I guess you could say. I mean. Mississippi State went two and two on opening weekend, um, and they went one one and one at the Dodger Town, which is not uh, not looking that good anymore with the way those Southern, Oklahoma, UCLA, and USC have been. So that's, but I mean, obviously, like you said, Miami lost at home to Florida. So, but that was week two. Mississippi State's things were weeks uh, one and three. They've both been just machines since then. Both beaten good teams. Could certainly couldn't have gone wrong either way. But I mean, Miami was number two. They went two and zero. Oh. And uh, so we just kind of stuck, you know, stuck with the Canes, at, you know, keeping them ahead. But certainly could have gone either way. Yeah, the the Miami uh, case is a strong one. The Mississippi case, Mississippi State case, is a strong one. You know, I, I guess the the biggest thing about the the Florida series uh, for Miami is that it, it was a month ago now, and um, you know, things have changed since then. Uh, I think this Miami team has has kind of figured some things out. Um, you know, early in the season, 
you, you don't always know exactly what you've got. They were dealing with um, you know, some absences then. Uh, you know, certainly they, they, they've been helped um, by getting some of those guys back. And, and I think the, you know, they've just kind of figured out their pitching staff a little bit better. And, and right now, uh, Woodry, Metavia, and Danny Garcia as their starters have, I mean, they've really, I mean, that, that's been a, a big part of, of why Miami has been as good as they've been lately is, is that those guys are, are really shutting down some quality offenses. And Miami's offense is, is obviously very high-powered as well. Zach Collins, Abreu. Jacob Hayward, um, you know, the, those guys are, are really getting it done. I mean, the, the Miami, the, the resume Miami has built is, is very impressive. And, you know, I, I think we knew the Canes, or, you know, we felt like the Canes were going to be good coming into this year. But, you know, they've really, they've really pretty well lived up to those expectations. Um, and, you know, we've mentioned it before, but a lot of their harder ACC series are out of the way now. Um, they got Duke coming up this weekend, and while Duke has won back-to-back series against uh, you know ranked opponents, that's uh, that's not quite the same as as playing a, a North Carolina or, or a Louisville um, or even a Clemson right now. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how uh, how things develop from here. Uh, but but the Hurricanes have earned this. It's been a long time since they've been number one, um, but I, I think that. Uh, you know, like we felt coming into the year, this is a this is an Omaha type team, and it's a it's a national contending type team as well. Yeah, exactly. And they've kind of got. To, we'll see. It kind of feels like the Florida is kind of like the one monkey they got to get off their back, but otherwise they've been they've been spotless. Yeah, I mean, for me, you know, looking at our at our top ten here, I mean, how about the you know those three Florida teams, Miami, Florida, and Florida State? I mean, you wouldn't want to play any of them right now, you know. At home, certainly not. You wouldn't want to, you know, go to Gainesville, go to Coral Gables, um, you know, go to Tallahassee. Um, so all three teams are stacked. It's going to be interesting. I'm looking forward to Florida and Florida State this week. They've got a midweek battle yeah. going on. So it's going to be interesting to see who comes out on top in that one. Yeah, it's the third of those uh, three games between Florida and Florida State this year. Florida's already won the first two. Um you know, and I know both teams are, are looking forward to this one. Uh, this the last one here is in tally. Um, and we mentioned Florida State; they uh, they beat Louisville this weekend in Tallahassee, two out of three. Thumped Louisville uh, on Sunday to to win that series, and they move up to six. Uh, Jim, I know you haven't started this week's uh, Schoenerdology yet, but can Florida State be a national seed? Could we have three national seeds in the state of Florida, or are we destined to have? One of the you know, are two of these teams going to meet in super regionals? I don't think I don't think the geography would stop them from having all three uh, getting there. I mean, right now it's hard to say any of them don't don't deserve it. I mean, Florida State, uh, they, you know, they, obviously that series with Louisville was huge. I mean, they're if those two teams, Florida State and Miami, finish you know one two in the ACC, which is where they are right now. I think they would they definitely would both be uh, be national seeds, and um, you know for Florida. And we know how good they are. Obviously, they've lost a couple. They've had they've kind of stubbed their toe a little bit with that Kentucky series and now this one. But I, I mean, I don't I don't think I don't think the geography would stop them. I think all three, if all three are deserving, all three would get it. That would be fantastic because uh, I think everyone down there, especially, is a little sick of uh, having to play each other in <laughs> super regionals or in regionals too, for that matter. Well, we're talking about super regionals there potentially, and uh, those are still a little ways off. But 
as we as we get closer to that or you know any other tickets you're looking to buy uh, between now and then, uh, whether that's baseball or NBA or NHL, they're getting close to the playoffs, aren't they, Jimmer? Oh yeah, NHL starts this week. Really? Totally. <laughs> wow. All right, that snuck up on me. Well, if you're looking for uh, for tickets for any, any of those events, apparently the Stanley Cup playoffs start soon. Who knew? Um, you could go to SeatGeek. And if you've ever been frustrated trying to buy tickets online, most sites, you know, make it complicated and then try to sneak in huge fees at the checkout. That's why you need to try SeatGeek. They've made it easier than ever to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. Uh, you know, SeatGeek, all you have to do is, is download the app to your phone and then you, then you look for tickets, uh, whether it's, you know, like, like we mentioned, the, the hockey or, or the basketball, the baseball, they've got it all. They've got, they've got all, all the tickets you want there and, and they pull them from other sites into one place so that you can save time and never miss a deal. You can even set alerts for upcoming games, and SeatGeek will let you know if ticket prices fall. And they're always honest and upfront with you about the price. Unlike StubHub, SeatGeek shows you the full ticket price from the start to the finish and never surprises you with huge fees at checkout. And best of all, for listeners of this Baseball America podcast, you get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. Now, to get that rebate, this is what you have to do. You have to download the free SeatGeek app. And you go to the Settings tab, and you click Add a Promo Code. And the promo code you're going to add is BA20. That's BA20. And then SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. So again, you just download the app, you go to the Settings tab, you click Add a Promo Code, you type in BA20, and SeatGeek sends you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. So download the free SeatGeek app and enter your promo code BA20 today. Now, we've talked around this a little bit. Uh, Thank you again to SeatGeek. We've talked around this a little bit, uh, but Mississippi State and Florida, that series was obviously a big one. With Mississippi State coming out ahead, they had to come back and and win the final two games to win that series. And Florida had won, going into the weekend, uh, 28 straight games in Gainesville, uh, program record. And Mississippi State is able to, to snap that and to, to get a, a critical series win, really, um, in terms of the SEC picture. It puts Mississippi State in first place in the SEC West, obviously very early. And um, this next week, Mississippi State plays Texas A&M, uh, which is number two in the SEC West, and, and that'll be big again. But you know, this week, uh, we, had, we had Mississippi State in Florida, and... You know, I, I think we, we had all kind of expected, especially with the way Florida just handled A&M sweeping them a, a weekend ago, that, that it would be a little more of the same and, and that Florida would come out. But what, what was it that, that uh, maybe pushed Mississippi State over, over the hump, do you think? It seems like, I mean, to me, first of all, I think the fact that they lost on Friday and, and the fact that Dakota Hudson got hit hard really for the first time this year, the fact that they were able to rebound from that after losing that Friday game is very impressive to me, especially in Gainesville. That really stands out to me. You know, I think the thing um, you have to look at is, you know, I think especially in that Sunday game, I, I know you wrote about it in, in your, your off-the-bat column, but just the situational pitching and be able to, you know, pitch your way through that in a, in a close game. And then obviously on the, that Saturday game, you know, being able to tag, you know, Fajardo for nine runs in that game. I mean, he's he's a tough a tough pitcher to hit. So I mean, really, anyone Florida is going to throw out there is going to be tough to hit. So you know, any any time you could put up you know nine runs on a guy like that is is pretty impressive. So I think just Mississippi State is just getting it done 
really both offensively and pitching-wise right now, and they have been for the last few weekends. This has been, I mean, they've won every SEC series so far, and they haven't been easy SEC series, as no series is, but, you know, in particular, I mean, winning against Ole Miss last weekend and, you know, this weekend here too, so... Yeah, the Bulldogs scored 10 runs on Saturday. That's the most runs Florida has given up all year. They do it against Fado, who had been outstanding. Uh, they do it in Gainesville, which, um, you know, where, where Florida is even tougher. Uh, you know, that, that, was, that was very impressive, especially with the way um, Logan Shore had shut them down on Friday night. And, you know, Dakota Hudson had been so good uh, the last few weeks that, I mean, you would – it would have been understandable if um, maybe Mississippi State's confidence had been tested a little bit uh, with, with Hudson losing that game. They hadn't won on Sunday in their first three, or the, in the final game of their uh, first three SEC weekends. So it, it seemed like it was imperative for them to win the series to win on Friday night. But that, that was not the case. They were able to get uh, the offense going on, on on Saturday, and then they outpitched Florida on Sunday barely. Uh, it was two to one, but uh, they they you know got the pitching that, that had been lacking. Connor Pilkington moves into uh, the weekend rotation for the first time, making his first SEC start. He's a freshman. He threw four scoreless. Then they got uh, Zach Houston coming out of the pen was good, and and Reed Humphreys closed it down, and um, Mississippi State. You know, was able able to get out of Gainesville with a win. Um, Jim, now now we've got Mississippi State climbing up here in the the West. I mean, it, with them having A and M this weekend. I mean, do you who do you think is the the favorite out out West now? Well, I think it's I think it's Mississippi State for me. I mean, I they just look really complete. I remember I talked to a coach a few weeks ago, an opposing coach, who said they were, you know, this was an even better Mississippi State team than their national runner up team from. Uh, Three years ago, um, you know, obviously we know how good you know Hudson and Sexton have been, um, but obviously there's the depth of the arms. The bullpen came up huge this weekend, and offensively, I mean, they're way obviously they're way up there. I mean, they're I think going into the weekend they were top twenty in the country in average. They've got I think seven regulars hitting three hundred. So I mean, that's just a, a really complete team. Um, I like. I mean, obviously this is going to be a big test with A and M. Um, so. It's kind of like what we just saw with Florida. It's tough to win two series against teams that good, you know, two two series in a row like that. But if they can do it, I think they are. I mean, they're good enough to do it. And they're definitely in the drive. I mean, their RPI isn't as high as some of the other ones. They're 14 right now on Warren Nolan, um, even after winning two out of three on the road. But, I mean, first place in the SEC West, if they finish and if they hold on to that, they'll be a national seed. I don't think there's any question about that. And uh, I mean, so they're, I mean, obviously they've got all kinds of momentum right now, all kinds of confidence. You talk about winning series on the road at Florida and at Vandy, beating Ole Miss. I mean, this is just a really, really good resume. Yeah, and what they have coming up is obviously difficult because it's the SEC and there are no off weekends, as I've said probably a thousand times already this year. So it's A&M this weekend, and then they go to Baton Rouge uh, next weekend. This is this is a really tough stretch here. Um, I will say their finishing schedule is actually, by ICC standards, is about as light as it gets. Yeah, after they, I mean, it, it was very front-loaded. They start with Vanderbilt, and then they had Georgia, who is, uh, you know, the Bulldogs are, are having a bit of a down, though that version of the Bulldogs is having a bit, a, bit of a down year uh, again. But, you know, here Ole Miss, Florida, A&M, LSU is, I mean, that, that's a, a very tough four-week stretch. But you're right. I mean, after that, it gets Alabama, Missouri, 
Auburn, Arkansas, and those are... They should win. I mean, they'll be favored in all those series. Yeah, I mean, they have to go to Tuscaloosa. That's probably the hardest thing there. Um, They get Missouri and Arkansas at home, go to Auburn. Um, I mean, those are not gimmies at all. No, but still. Yeah, if they if they can just finish off this this tough stretch that they're in now, uh, they will. There is a light at the end of the tunnel, such as it is uh, in the SEC. I mean, Missouri shows up and, and they throw Reggie McLean and Tanner Houck at you. I mean, that's a that's a tough weekend. Uh, but it's uh, it's not quite what what they're uh, looking at. It's not Florida and A and M back to back. Yeah, either. yeah. Um, you know, elsewhere in the SEC, we had LSU beating Vanderbilt in, in Baton Rouge, and, and LSU moves back into the top ten as a result. Mississippi bounced back uh, this weekend after after losing last weekend to Mississippi State. Uh, Kentucky won another series that that's uh, you know they've they've won all of their SEC series so far. I mean, I, I think the Wildcats have been very impressive. Obviously, beating Florida was huge, but Mike, I, I know you. Uh, you were a proponent of the Wildcats coming into the year. I mean, is uh, is this what you were? You were is this the kind of team you thought they would be? I thought they had a chance to be this kind of team for sure, just with you know the the weekend pitching that they returned and you know the veteran bats that they returned in their lineup. You know, and I think the one thing that was really encouraging about this weekend is really for the first time in a long time they actually won on Friday, um, and, and Zach Brown pitched really well for him, and you know the whole Zach Brown band you know did, did really well. <laughs> Um, behind him. So, and, you know, Alabama's not, uh, you know, an offensive juggernaut, but, you know, they're a good pitching team, and they outpitched a very good pitching team. So I think, you know, a lot can be said about that. And, you know, their their schedule um, is going to ramp up a bit, you know, coming up here. Um, you know, they have a rivalry game against Louisville coming up this, this weekend, and, uh, well, this week, and uh, after it was postponed last week. So that's going to be an interesting one to watch. And, uh, yeah, you know, I think, you know, it'll be interesting to see what the Wildcats do as, as they, they face some, some of the tougher opponents in the SEC. But uh, I think so far you have to be pleased with, with what they've done for sure. Yeah, this week they're going to uh, – you know, so they have the, the Louisville game and then they go to Nashville and then they have another Louisville game. So that, that, that's a tough five-game five, five game stretch. They also have Eastern Kentucky this week uh, before Louisville. Um, but that, that's, a, that's an interesting – Interesting five games. We'll see how they how they navigate that. Uh, but the Wildcats, I mean, they've uh, you know they're they've won four SEC series. Um, you know, to, to start play, and um, you know they're right they're right there in the mix with uh, with everyone else. I mean, they're they're eight and four in the league, and um, you know they're it, it doesn't seem like they're going to be going anywhere anytime soon. We knew that they they could pitch, and uh, you know they've been finding enough offense to. Uh, to win some games here so far, and, and they've got some nice series wins. So uh, this weekend, uh, it's their toughest road series to date, so we'll see how they handle that, I guess. Out in the Big 12, we saw kind of a, a shake-up series. Maybe not a shake-up series. Uh, it, w- it was just a, a showdown series, I guess, between Texas Tech and Oklahoma State. Texas Tech went in as the, the Big 12 leaders, and they, uh, they emphatically swept Oklahoma State and Stillwater. That's uh, Texas Tech's first ever sweep of a ranked Big 12 opponent on the road and it was a it was a good one they you know they really bossed that series um they I mean they they finished it off with a 15 to 5 win on Sunday it was a, a mercy rule win they, they only played seven innings in that Texas Tech now 
has really cemented themselves as, as the number one team in the, the Big 12 in terms of the standings. They, they, uh, they have a significant lead on TCU, um, with the second-place team. They've played an extra series, but to get, the, to get off to that start, what does that say about the Red Raiders now at this point, Jim? I mean, it's really impressive what they've done. I mean, we kind of, you know, coming into the year, they were a little, weren't really sure what to expect, just talking to some of the coaches around that league. But, I mean, they've just been on fire. I mean, you go to Florida State and split a two-game, you know, midweek series there, uh, which is that's a very tough place to play. They had a convincing win in the game they did win. And just, I mean, Oklahoma State's a, a veteran team, hosted a regional, played a lot of big games, and they just dominated that series. And, you know, Texas Tech's rolling in there with a you know an all-freshman rotation. And they just, they, I mean, they just, like you said, they just bossed that series. I mean, I don't think anyone could have expected that. Maybe not shocking that they won, but just the way they won, I mean, it doesn't get any, it really doesn't get any louder than that. And they still, I mean, they still have to play TCU on the road. So that's probably the biggest, that's really by far their biggest test. It's really their only significant test. Um, looking over their schedule, they do have to play West Virginia, who's probably the four, number four team in the conference. But other than that, they have a couple midweek games with New Mexico, who's playing well. But I mean that. I mean they are in great shape. I mean, obviously, haven't like kind of like I said, haven't done the uh, field of sixty-four for this week. But they'll. I think it's a safe bet they'll be a regional. They'll be in there as a host. I mean, their RPI is up to thirteen now on Warren Nolan. They're eight and four against the top fifty. I mean, it's. I mean, there's really not much to not like about what they're doing. I think. One thing that is going to be interesting to watch as, as this thing continues, um, they're going with an all-freshman rotation. And I know they have more experienced arms out there, uh, Ryan Mosley, for sure, uh, who started the year in the rotation. But right now it's an all-freshman rotation, and it'll be interesting to see how those guys hold up uh, as, as the season continues and, and their, um, their innings totals climb. But, you know, I mean, right now – this weekend was impressive. They split with Florida State in a, a midweek series in Tallahassee. Uh, you know the the Red Raiders are rolling, and um, you know I, I think that we we had a, the Big Twelve is a very confusing conference in a lot of ways. But at this point, I, I think that Texas Tech has taken a lot of the confusion yeah, kind of out conf- of them. It's like confusing and clear at the same time, basically. Because yeah. like, we had Texas and Oklahoma not playing well. You know, obviously those were the two teams we expected to be good, along with TCU and uh, Oklahoma State. Texas actually is in third place, technically, even though their RPI is 116. But, um, I mean, also Oklahoma's struggled. You know, West Virginia's been a little bit of a pleasant surprise, but then they went and lost a home series to Furman this weekend, which, by the way, West Virginia might have just cost itself a regional bid by losing that series. But, anyway... Um, <laughs> that was that was very strange. Yeah. Coming off of beating I mean, Oklahoma State, I figure that's a, a young team that maybe just had a hangover. You know, a, you know, didn't take probably didn't take Furman seriously because they just you know West Virginia had just beaten Oklahoma State. Um, you you see teams play. I mean, teams have to play these non-conference yeah, yeah, series. Got an odd number be, of teams, but, but I mean that does uh, that does create some questions about how you handle that because you know you bring a team in like that this weekend. Texas Tech plays San Diego State. You know, and you have to you have to convince your team if they aren't an old team, an experienced team. You have to, you have to get them in the in the right mindset. Like, okay, yeah, this this doesn't count towards conference standings, but you know, we still have to go out and win this. And playing series. when you're expected to win is is different than 
being in and fighting to prove yourself like they have been like pretty much every weekend the first half of the year and they didn't uh, they didn't handle it I think if I remember right they lost the first two games of that series and had to pull it out at the end just to not get swept by Furman who is a sub 500 bad RPI I mean like West Virginia's RPI is down to 82 there's enough time to recover but they've I mean, they might, they very well might have just cost themselves regionals with that series. Yeah, Furman is 13 and 18. That's not so good. Yeah, that's uh, that's not what you want. That that's not that's not how you want to respond to. So the Big 12 uh, the could very well yeah. just be a three bid league um, for the second year in a row, unless one of these other teams uh, can pull out the conference tournament. But yeah, right now, I mean, West Virginia will be on the outside this week, and so yeah, it's really just going to be the three the. Um, Tech, Tech, TCU, and uh, Oklahoma State. I will say uh, Oklahoma is playing a bit better. Uh, they're four and five in the Big Twelve. They they won a series against Baylor. Uh, they beat, beat Texas, Texas the week, the week. before. Um, they're, and, they're still too far gone, though. Well, they, they are, but that rolls into um, a big series at TCU. And if Oklahoma, this is kind of Oklahoma's last stand. They're coming in with a little bit of momentum. If anything is going to happen for this team, I think it has to happen this weekend. And I'm not saying that they could get into an at-large contention. Yeah, exactly. But if they're going to get rolling to a point where they maybe even could or that they can uh, be feeling good going into the Big 12 tournament knowing that they need to perform well there, um, I think it has, to, it has to happen this weekend because any opportunity like – this is – there are really only a couple showcase games left for them and – this weekend is absolutely one. We do. We know they do have talent, and even if it hasn't it hasn't played up to what we thought it could be, I mean, I mean, we saw Texas jump up and win the conference tournament last year. So maybe that, you know, maybe Oklahoma gets they could be that. I mean, they're good enough. They could be that team this year. But it's like you said, they've got to got to get some momentum or yeah. keep building what they've what they've started yeah. here. I mean, they they have to. They went to Texas Tech and got swept, and now they have to go back on the road to another really tough team in the conference and. Uh, find a way to to first of all not get swept, but also ideally pull out. Yeah, at least play well. Yeah, be competitive. Yeah, get something get something going against uh, one of the one of the best teams in the conference. Now we mentioned that um, Texas Tech played that midweek against Florida State. Um, you know, we touched on Florida State moving up after beating Louisville, but you know, that, that's worth coming back to because. Florida State now uh, is in first place in the Atlantic. Uh, that was that was the prize of beating Louisville. Is they they move into first place in uh, in the division, and I mean they're playing incredibly well. Uh, Mike, Florida State did it. the 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 two games they won were the games started by McKay and Funkhauser, Louisville's two aces. Um, to they scored 11 runs against those two. Eight of those came against Funkhauser. But they did get three against McKay and knocked him out in the fifth inning. I mean, what, is that, what does that say about this offense, that, that they're able to do that to two of the better pitchers uh, in the country? Yeah, well, the, the Florida State offense, you know, they're not going to have one big bopper that's really going to scare you when you see them. But what they have is, an, is a patient approach and, and an offense that really knows, that has a plan when it comes up to the plate and is going to make a pitcher work, and is going to make a pitcher throw strikes. And, you know, you look at you look at Kyle Funkhauser, who, you know, I was a little nervous for Louisville from a Louisville perspective, you know, coming into this weekend with him having control issues, you know, how would that match up against Florida State? 
and you know he had an issue you know commanding the ball and I believe he walked four in that game and you know and they pounded him and it's been you know obviously we've, we've touched on him before it's been an off year for him and you know it was kind of surprising to see them put up 10 hits against Brendan McKay uh, in four innings I mean that's not something you see very often just with how uh, consistent McKay has been but you know, I, I think you look at the Florida State offense, and I think you look at the growth of Taylor Walls, their shortstop, who last year got off to a really strong start and then sort of fizzled fizzled once they got into conference play, ended up hitting 220. You know, it was a switch-inning shortstop, um, good plate discipline, uh, second on the team in walks, 483 on base percentage, their leadoff hitter. You know, he's very important for making them go. John Sansone, his senior year, has taken a step forward, hitting almost 400 this year, you know, he's been, I believe he's driven 10 runs this, this week, this past week. Um, and then Cal Raleigh, um, a, a freshman who's really kind of surprised everyone, I think. I, I know talking to, to Coach Mike Martin, he, he's totally exceeded expectations as far as what they thought offensively. And he doesn't remember having a freshman catcher batting in a three-hole ever. So, and he's batting, you know, he's batting in the three hole. He's batting in the middle of the lineup, and, and he's been, you know, hit two more home runs this weekend. He has six home runs on the season, batting 343. So, you know, they've been getting it done on the offensive side, and, um, you know, I think it's kind of concerning for Louisville that, you know, Stephon Kowser still continue to struggle. You know, it's been back to back kind of difficult starts for McKay. I think you could almost even argue that Drew Harrington has been their most consistent and best pitcher this year. Uh, you know, five of his starts this year have been scoreless outings. Um, I think statistically, he's been their best pitcher. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how they respond. And, um, you know, I just know Florida State was happy to play some baseball this week after the last two weekends, the weather got in the way. Yeah, Mike Martin, um, when I talked to him yesterday, was, uh, you know, he said it was, it was crucial that they were able to play Texas Tech midweek to shake off some of the rust uh, going into to Louisville because he felt like if they hadn't played those games, they would have been at a, a big disadvantage. Um, they were scheduled to be completely off this week, but go, going into that, um, so you know they really they really would have been. Um, you know they they would have played just a couple games in two weeks. I mean they're rolling right now, so uh, I don't I don't know uh, I don't know what's gonna what's gonna trip the the Seminoles up. I mean this is just a team that's a, a veteran team, and they they um, they know what they're good at. And they do a good job of, of being patient in the batter's box, and they get enough out of their out of their pitchers to uh, to win series. I mean, it, it just is a it, it's just a classic Florida State team in a lot of ways, I think. Uh, but Louisville now has lost three series, all of them to ranked teams, all of them on the road. But are they getting to a point, Jim, where you know they? I mean. The thing about college baseball is you don't necessarily have to be able to win on the road to get to Omaha, but you do have to win to on the road to put yourself in a position to be afforded that opportunity. Is that is that starting to be a concern here with with Louisville at all? Uh, a little bit. Um, I mean, they're still twenty four and seven, ten and five. I'm certainly the committee when you're talking about whether they can get a national seed and all. I mean, certainly the committee likes road wins, so I mean that does. It's not imperative, but it would definitely be a, a big help to not just be a, you know, as they would say in basketball, home court heroes, uh, if I can borrow that phrase, but <laughs> which, which a favorite of mine. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're so yeah, they're five and six on the road. Those basically those three series, they're what you're talking about. They've lost. Let me see what they're so they're at remaining road series. They're at BC, at North Carolina, at Wake Forest. Certainly, they probably need to win. I mean, probably all three of those really. 
certainly you can't go and lose to BC or Wake, even though they're not those aren't bad teams. But you need to show you can win on the road. So they haven't won a road series yet, even though all have been against good teams. Um, I mean, they're still sixth in the RPI. They're still let's see, fourteen and seven against the top hundred. That's those are all pretty. Those are all solid numbers. If they do end up third overall in the ACC, I, I mean, it would be really close as to whether they're a national seed. I mean, if they could still, if they could end up finishing head of FSU and or Miami, they probably would get one. But I think it's I mean, right now they're. I mean, they'll be right on the cut line this week. I think it helps that. The the West, the West is really bad. The West, I mean, just the whole. There may not be a national seed from west of Texas, so that might either help them or help an extra SEC team get one. But it's, I mean, it's going to be it's, it's going to be close. They've got to, they do have to play better on the road. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, one thing to look at in the ACC standings. I don't know how much this will affect anything the committee does, but. Um, because Florida State lost those four weekend games, those can't be made up. And I know Mike Marin is a little concerned about that just because they're going to, they can only play a maximum of 26 ACC games at this point. And uh, it's very plausible that someone, probably Louisville, would end up with more wins than Florida State would in the mm-hmm. conference just because they have these extra games that Florida State can't have now. Um, and that, you know, what does that do to the winning percentage then? But um, from a committee perspective, I'm not quite sure how much that, that'll matter. But that My guess is they would still, given the head-to-head, right. and if long, as long as Florida State ends up with a better winning percentage, I guess is they would still get the, uh, get the edge. But, yeah, that is, I mean, that is, it is a little bit of a strange situation for sure. Yeah, and from, uh, just from a seeding standpoint and the ACC tournament and, and everything else that goes into that, um, you know, the, the pride of winning your division and everything, um, that, that is something Florida State's keeping an eye on. And, um, you know, it, it, could, it could come into play. Uh, elsewhere in the ACC, we have uh, North Carolina State moving back into the top 25 after um, – after winning a series against uh, Wake Forest, uh, they come in. Uh, Clemson moves out after uh, losing to Duke. Uh, so the uh, the revolving door of uh, ACC teams at the back of uh, back of the top twenty five continues. Uh, we talked about this last week about you know what what's going on in the middle of the pack. Uh, this week it's the pack is what's going on in the middle of the pack. Uh, Jim, well played. Uh, <laughs> would uh. What was the pack done here uh, last couple days to to get get this series win against Wake? Well, it won two very different ways. I mean, the Friday game was just a comedy of errors on Wake's part, really. I mean, I mean, State give them credit; they had some big hits. They got their bullpen pitched re- really well. I think if I remember right, the bullpen because Johnny Piedmont did not did not pitch well on this in you know in the starting role, but the bullpen came through for him. They got some big hits, and Wake made, I think, five errors, which pretty much decided the game. Um, yesterday, or Saturday, this odd schedule with this off day yesterday, and then they have a, the ESPNU game tonight. But, um, I mean, they, to their credit, they, they pulled out a close game which on Saturday, which has been a problem. I mean, they actually got, you know, Preston Palmero gets the walk-off hit, which, you know, they've when they lost that, infamously lost that series to Boston College when they couldn't get a runner in from... The bases loaded, nobody out in the bottom of the ninth couldn't score. This time they actually did get the the winning run in, so that was a big moment for them for sure. And 
They have won, um, let's see, six of their last seven, and they won that big road series at Virginia, which is, you know, because, I mean, obviously Virginia's not looking that not looking that great anymore, but it was on the road against the defending champs, so that's still a big deal. Um, or, a, no, maybe, it's still, it's no, noteworthy, I'll put it that way. It's not easy it's to win no, it's not. It's not easy to, it's not Charlotte, an easy place to win. Virginia's series losses this year, yeah. um, I mean, I guess two of them are in Charlottesville, because East Carolina East went Carolina up there and won, but, you know, they, they just lost in the birdcage, and they went to Louisville and lost, yeah, exactly. so, I mean, so two it's still, of, it's still, it's a quality series. Um, but anyway, so you know, they're playing better. They had that little lull with the B series, B Boston College series loss, and they, you know, lost a couple midweek games. They, you know, were only able to they won two out of three against Notre Dame, but kind of gave away the game they lost. But they're playing better. Still got to get this Friday starter issue sorted out. I mean, Joe O'Donnell is hurt right now. I think they, I'm sure. My guess is when he gets healthy, he'll be back in that role. Maybe they try Corey Wilder, who actually did throw well in a uh, midweek game, but um, that's probably the still the big question with them going forward is what they do on Fridays. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, they're up to 16 in the RPI. I mean, this, we've talked about the, you know, there's top three teams in the ACC with, uh, Miami, FSU and Louisville. After that, I mean, North Carolina's slid back. Um, we talked about Virginia struggled. Clemson's been up and down. Georgia tech's been a bit up and down. I mean, all those, there's certainly room for somebody, to emerge as you know a fourth uh, hosting caliber team. I mean, I mean, Wolfpack probably does have the most momentum, at least of that group right now. I mean, I don't, we'll see how it comes out uh, when I do the uh, bracket this week, but it's it's definitely wide open. Joining uh, NC State and moving in this week, we've got uh, South Alabama, Tulane, and Southern Miss. Um, Tulane coming off of uh, a series win against East Carolina. They. Uh, they move in, and, and the American is um, rather muddled after uh, – muddled's not the right word. It's very tight after two weeks. Um, only one team has won both of its uh, AAC series to start the year, and that was Cincinnati, which, uh, if you remember from last year, was not good at all. Uh, but the Bearcats are older, and uh, it was a very, very young team last year. They're older. Uh, they're without Ian Happ now, obviously, who was the, the first-rounder from Cincinnati, but – uh, it's a it's an interesting team that, that's playing really well at home, and this week they'll go down to Tulane, um, which has uh, you know, been a quality team all year long. They're twenty one and ten. They've got some nice series wins. They've really been on the brink of uh, rankings all year long. We talked about them in the preseason. We talked I feel about like we talked about them almost every week. Yeah. They, I, they've been on the worksheet every week. Um, you know, if we ranked out to thirty or thirty five, they would have been ranked every week. Uh, absolutely. Um, but this week they finally move in um, with that with that East Carolina series, and uh, you know, so the Green Wave are, are off to a nice start, but not as good as uh, in, in conference wise, not as good as what South Alabama and Southern Miss have done. South Alabama now fifteen and zero in the Sun Belt, and Southern Miss is eleven and one in Conference USA. So uh, those two teams are, are really uh, really taking charge in their conferences a little less with Southern Miss uh, Rice and Florida Atlantic also off to really good starts in CUSA but South Alabama already has a four and a half game lead in the Sun Belt they have to play the hardest teams in the Sun Belt still but it's a four and a half game lead already exactly I mean that's a I mean that's a veteran I mean we kind of forget South Alabama did win the regular season title last year they just weren't anywhere near getting in at large because the RPI wasn't good enough but I mean, that, that's a, a team that knows how to win. I mean, Mark Calvey's been there for five years now. He you know, won a national championship as an assistant at South Carolina. And that, 
I mean, that's a, a pretty well-rounded team at South Alabama. They've got a you know legit you know they got an ace and Kevin Hill. They've got an offense that can do you know a little bit of everything. I mean, that's a team that kind of like you're saying they've played. They haven't maybe haven't played the toughest teams on their schedule, but they've played good teams in the midweeks. I think they beat Southern Miss a couple times, which is I think why we brought them in uh, ahead of Southern Miss in the uh, in the rankings. But I mean, that's that's a a team to to watch. I mean, they're probably they're in good shape to get. To get in at large this year, especially the way they're going, and that's I mean that's that's a it's a really definitely a team to, to keep an eye on. The Sun Belt or the Fun Belt, as uh, some people like to call it, um, it's an interesting conference this year. Louisiana Lafayette uh, was obviously the preseason favorite, and I mean that's still a solid team. Uh, they're kind of hanging out on the, the edge of the rankings themselves a little bit. Um, it's a it's becoming a, a nice little nice little baseball league. Also. Mid- Mike, you were you were at a, a, a nice mid-major matchup with uh, UCSB coming across the country to face College of Charleston. Uh, they split the series one one and one. Thank you, uh, travel curfew. Mm-hmm. Um, but what did you think of uh, of your look at, at Santa Barbara, which is uh, now number thirteen this week? Yeah, well, it, it was an interesting series, kind of random in some ways. Uh, uh, UC Santa Barbara head coach Andrew Tackett's told me that basically it. It came from Match.com. Uh, both teams had an opening in their schedules, and they found each other. And uh, you know, there you go. You have a a cool mid-majored series. Uh, you know, at College of Charleston. You know, two teams that are closing the RPI. But yeah, you know, the teams really. It was an evenly matched series. Obviously, they finished with the tie. Um, you know, too evenly matched. Yeah, maybe a little too evenly matched. I mean, you know, Santa Barbara had the the lopsided win on Friday night, and you know, the Cougars had the lopsided win the next day. You know, but the, the thing that, that stood out to me at uh, Santa Barbara is, is I do like, you know, I've talked about it in the past. I am a, a Shane Belieber. Um, he, he pitched well Friday night, uh, junior right-hander, um, threw a complete game. He gave up four runs, but one of them was a three-run home run that was a little wind-aided, so I'll give him a pass on that. He still threw a complete game and, and, and shut down, a, you know, a, a quality Charleston offense. Um, it touched, you know, it was 89-90 most of the game. And actually got stronger as the game went on. You know, touched 91, 92 late in the game, and worked very quickly, which was good from a spectator standpoint. You know, they would throw a pitch and they you know get ready to throw the next one. And uh, you know, Santa Barbara they they have some bats. It's kind of a, a, a strange kind of a strange offense when you look at their lineup, but they do have some power in the middle. Um, Austin Bush, um, though he just has three home runs this year, you know he has some pop in that bat. Um, Andrew Calico, the top of the order, didn't have a loud series, but he's a guy who can get on base. You know, he walked he walked three times just on Saturday alone, and has some tools um, out in the outfield. And um, you know, and I was impressed by their freshman uh, Noah Davis on Saturday, a right-hander who you know sat 87, 89 most of the game, but was able to rear back for a little more, touching as high as 93 in tough situations, and, and showed a good breaking ball as well, a good curveball. So. You know they've got some players. You know they're they're a good group and they're a tough team. And I know you know the College of Charleston head coach Matt Heath was talking about they kind of treated it as a super regional in some ways. They tried to treat it as hey you know these are two teams that can maybe meet you know conceivably meet in a super regional and let's treat it that way and and try to win it. And that didn't happen because they tied. But you know it was still a very competitive series. So. No, no travel curfews and super regionals. Yeah, they just both go to Omaha. They sent nine teams this year. Yeah, so. It was it was a fun series to watch. You know, I'm, I'm glad I went to get a good look at, at both of those teams. Yeah, Charleston is a, is an interesting team. Uh, I mean, like you, Jim, you uh, you kind of 
portrayed this as a you know a potential um, a hosting battle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hosting. Host, well, that's a separate. We, um, that's another tangent there with South, uh, the UCSB, but but yeah. Yes, um, I guess that that is maybe worth uh, just touching on real quick that UCSB uh, probably cannot host. They did not host last year when they were uh, a one seed. Uh, they had to take it to Lake Elsinore, and this year uh, the minor league ballparks look like they're not going to be much of an option. No. Uh, so potentially going to be interesting if UCSB continues on this path. Uh, what happens in terms of where they host, but. Now, Charleston, um, you know, I know they've been, you know, they felt like they could host last year, didn't quite get it done, um, but, you know, they're, they're looking good in the Colonial, um, you know, I mean, what's, uh, what's your feeling on, on Charleston? I think, I mean, I definitely think they can do, I mean, they're 12th in the RPI, they are, they're five, so they're five, they started five and one in the conference, they definitely have to, I mean, they have to win the regular season title, they're tied with the Towson right now, but I mean, they are... I mean, pretty much, the, you know, you figure their biggest threat will be UNCW, and they do have to play them on the road in a couple weeks, I believe, two, three weeks. So that's that's really the big hurdle for them to get over. Obviously, there are some other decent teams. You know, Northeastern's got some arms. Uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, William, William & Mary's in a really pretty solid program. Um, Elon's kind of having a tough year this year, but that's generally been a solid program. So, But anyway, yeah, so Charleston having to go to Wilmington, that's going to be the big hurdle. If they can win, If they can win that series, win the regular season title, and keep their RPI where it is, or at least close, keep it in the, like, the top 20, I mean, they'll have a strong case. You know, we'll see how many ACC teams, and obviously that's kind of, they're a little bit affected by that with all the, you know, with just being where they are geographically with having to compete with ACC and SEC teams to get that hosting slot. But, I mean, they, they're definitely, it's definitely within reach for them if they can, if they can just keep the pace they're on. Well, it was an interesting weekend uh, around the country, really. Um, this weekend... Uh, the matchups maybe aren't quite as good. When I was working on off the bat, trying to find um, intriguing series for next weekend, it was a little harder than it had been the last couple weekends. But that probably means that something crazy will happen and we'll have ridiculous upsets. But was there uh, was there anything else that, that stood out to you guys when uh, when you were looking around the country this week? I mean, Cal losing to Oregon. I mean, the Pac-12. We've hit on the Pac-12. <laughs> we've talked down about the Pac-12. You know, you know, plenty of times, but that was uh, losing to. You know, we talked about how Louisville's not been good on the road. Cal has Cal's been, been, been just, just as not bad. good. Yeah. Uh, you know, other than that Texas series, I they mean, are seven and six on the road. But yeah. if you take out a four-game sweep at Texas, so they're they're, they're in six. They're and, in the same boat as Louisville. They've got to show something on the road if they want to earn, as you say, earn the right to stay at home in the in the postseason. It was nice. Um, from an Oregon perspective, I'm sure to to see the bats come alive the last couple days of that series because obviously that's been Oregon's you know problem this year. But they were actually able to to get some hits uh, and, and win a win a big series. Uh, Cal without Dalton Jeffries this weekend, but Oregon's still able to to come out and and win the series uh, at home. Which uh, you know I don't know what what to make of the Ducks right now, but it's got to start somewhere if they're if they're going to start. Uh, coming back like they did last year, and maybe maybe that's what this weekend was. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it was certainly uh, strange to put, see them put up double-digit runs. I mean, that's something they haven't done often this season. Um, so, you know, if they can get the bats going, I mean, that's really, I mean, they don't need to put up, you know, 11 runs every game, but if they can, you know, put up, you know, four or five runs with the pitching that they have, you know, and go on a little bit of a run here, that's what they did last year. You know, they were able to go on a late-season run. So, 
we'll see if they're able to do it. You know, the schedule doesn't get any easier going forward. But, um, you know, they have USC coming up, UCLA, still playing Oregon State later on. So, and then finish with Stanford, who's been, you know, sneaky good this year. You know, they've, they've played really well this year. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, I... Um... I was a little in, intrigued by what happened in a couple uh, mid-major series out west. Uh, BYU beat San Diego. We talked about that series um, last week. Uh, BYU gets two out of three there, um, and they're uh, they're looking pretty good on the West Coast Conference. Still another another big uh, WCC series this weekend at St. Mary's, which has been uh, impressive this year as well. Um, but also in the Mountain West, um, New Mexico swept Fresno State, and the Lobos now look like they're clearly the team to beat in the Mountain West. And uh, Ray Birmingham has that has that program going once again. And uh, it, it was a it was an impressive sweep. They won a crazy game on Saturday, um, extra innings, home runs all over the place, and uh, to win the series. And then they they finished it off on Sunday with the with the big sweep and. Um, you know, that's a program that, that's been pretty solid uh, for the last, you know, the entire time Birmingham's been there, really. You know, so they're, uh, they're, looking again, they're looking good again this year, especially in the Mountain West. So I think that's, uh, that's all we got for you this week. We always uh, appreciate you listening and, and reading over on BaseballAmerica.com. There's, there's plenty of good content there, and, and you'll find more good college baseball uh, content the rest of the week. And We'll be back here again next week to to talk about all all the action again. So thank you uh, to Jim and Mike for joining me, and thank you for listening. And thank you to SeatGeek for sponsoring. Uh, This has been a, a Baseball America College podcast. We'll see you next week. This concludes our program. Visit BaseballAmerica.com for more podcasts. Today's Baseball America podcast was sponsored by SeatGeek. Baseball America podcast listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. Download the free SeatGeek app and enter promo code BA20.